0: Hey everybody, welcome to the DC3Cast. My name is Brian, thank you for joining us. This is a bit of a different episode due to the holiday season craziness with, uh, oh, holiday travel and illness and all that. We have a bit of a different show for you this week, but I promise you it's a great one. Uh, I recently had the chance to talk to Dan Judio, co-publisher of DC Comics, about any number of things. He dropped some news in here that I don't, haven't really seen anyplace else. Nothing, you know, earth-shattering, but some, some cool stuff about what DC has planned for 2018 and beyond. So I think it's a great chat. Uh, next week will be our 100th episode of the show, so we'll have a special double-sized episode for you. As you know, any good comics podcast would be double-sized on its 100th installment. And, uh, yeah, so enjoy this chat, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Happy New Year. Hi, I'm Paul, the host of the Comic Syllabus Podcast a weekly show on the Multiversity Network of Podcasts. We read widely and we dig deep, bringing different analytical approaches to our study and appreciation of the wide variety of comics out there. Along with comics teachers, critics, and creators, we do close readings of classic and current exemplars of the medium. And we invite you to join us every Tuesday here at MultiversityComics.com. So let's dig deep. So every year, Um, the Multiversity staff votes on our top publisher and this year DC took the, took the award handily. And then we always open it up to our readership to vote and they had the same reaction. They also voted in 61% of our readership decided DC was the top publisher of 2017. So, you know, looking, looking back on the year, what are some of the highlights for you and what do you think next year DC can do even better?
1: Uh, that's a great question. Cause you know what I mean, every year we're always trying to be a little bit better. And as the market gets more challenged or things change, uh, we always got to try to rise the occasion. I mean, that's, I mean, that's the, the, that's the fun and the burden of being in the periodical business. You know, you've always got to be, you always got to put a book out every month and you always got to try to be a little bit better than the month before. Um, and that's what makes our jobs fun and exhausting. Um, for me, uh, this was a really interesting year for us. Um, we had a lot of things that worked really well, and we were really happy to see. I think uh, starting right from metal with Scott and Greg, um, I think they really created, crafted a story that is just completely, just far out crazy. But more importantly, just pushed the boundaries of our universe and started taking us into new places, which I felt that we we desperately had to. We had to find, and even though we see things like multiple interpretations of Batman, you can't argue that there's a freshness to the storytelling, and just a, a, a manic craziness that I think is quite endearing, and so that's been, that's been really enjoyable for us. Um, then I'm going to go over to something that started as a drunken conversation in Baltimore, which was uh, Mr. Miracle. <laughs> <laughs> and Tom King and I were at a bar at one o'clock in the morning at the Baltimore convention, And I I went to him and I asked him, you know, you know, I I had told him I loved what he had done over in Marvel with the vision. I said, could you bring that same level of creativity here at DC? And he said, give me a list of characters. And after talking, he settled on Mr. Miracle. And I think you can't argue that the, the end results were uh, nothing less than spectacular about how he pulled that book together. So that's been great. Um, you know, the interesting thing about doomsday clock is that there was such a high level of expectation with that project. Um, that it was almost doomed to disappoint. But in the complete opposite, I think it overachieved on every level. And I think you've seen Jeff Johns transcend and evolve as a writer and, and moving in ways that I think is above and better than anything else he's done at DC. So, again, that gets me excited. Um, but the, the the kid in Dan DiDio gets most excited about all the crazy stuff that we're doing. Um, constantly pushing the envelope, Things like the Commandy Challenge, the Kirby books that we did to celebrate the anniversary, the books that we do with Hanna-Barbera, uh, the lines that we're about to push out with the New Age of Heroes. Anything that feels new, fresh, and different is stuff that I gravitate towards. And even though we might not get the same level of sales success that we hope for, I think Young Animal is a great um, um, statement to make with our line because it shows the, the breadth and scope to the DC characters and heroes and the types of stories we can tell. So... There you go. That's my two word answer
0: in <laughs> two thousand words. <laughs> so so looking at at the DC line, you know, there is a lot of diversity right now among DC books, whether it's the rebirth stuff, the Hanna Barbera stuff, Young Animal, this new age of heroes. When you're looking to next year, where do you see the most energy being pushed? Is one of those to you in need of the most uh I don't want to say TLC, but, you know, w- where do you see your energies going in
1: 2018? You know, it, well, it, it, there's a lot of energy coming in. I mean, there's a lot of great stuff coming up for this year. We're, you know, we're, we're looking, I mean, it, it, it's interesting what you said because you touched upon something very important to me, um, which is that Jim and I as publishers of DC are not just publishers of DC Universe. We're publishers of DC product, DC Comics. And there's a wide breadth of material that, Um, that we constantly push out, and we push out the diversity in different ways, different styles. Um, There's been a lot of talk about us getting into the young adult business. I think that's something that we're going to go after in a big way um, next year. Um, I think we're also trying to find things. uh, We love the idea of the the Gerard Way pop-up concept for Young Animal, and there might be other pop-ups in the futures, finding top creators that we can curate a list of books around. I think that's really interesting and exciting because you get a real sense of vision and clarity and the the name recognition of the the lead creator brings people to books that they might not normally read. So that's exciting. Um, The New Age books for me, it's new characters. Anytime you try to introduce new characters into any universe these days, you're challenged. Um, But I think it's a challenge. We constantly got to face and and constantly meet head on. Uh, We need to grow. Rebirth was able to... Rebuild and reestablish um, our core conceits, uh, but now um, we need to grow out of that and we have to go beyond that and, and and just show the that there is no nothing's confined in the DC universe that we're constantly expanding, constantly growing, constantly evolving, um, along with it. And that's what that's going to do. And you know what? I'm not talking about the the big one. We got Brian Bendis about to join DC Comics and the books that he's about to step on, uh, and the voice he's about to bring to the line is, in every sense of the business, a game-changer. Um, and it changes how we see DC Comics. It'll change how people see DC Comics. And I think, ultimately, I think we'll all be, not only just DC, but the entire industry can benefit from this, this type of change and growth.
0: You know, I, I don't throw around this name lightly, and I think there's a world of difference here, but this announcement, to me... Reminds me of Kirby coming over to DC in the early '70s. It's that level of name recognition of a a creator with one publisher. So when you bring in yeah. a Brian Bendis, do you have just do you give him carte blanche? What do you want to work on? Or when you were thinking about this, did you say, "Oh man, I want to see Bendis on Xbook? You know, what is it? What is it that you do to prepare to bring in a name of that caliber over to DC?
1: You know, it, it's interesting because the funny part for me is that I didn't know Brian at all until we started talking and trying to set up this, uh, this deal and relationship. Um, and so when we finally started talking, I, the, the level of things we had in common, uh, the level of enthusiasm he has, and the love of comics, extraordinarily effective and something that uh, that I, 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 I gravitate towards immediately. And I'm really happy to say that the books and the ideas that he had were completely in line with what I had hoped for. And ultimately, the titles he's settling on are titles that I I hoped he was going to take. So it all worked out better than I could have imagined.
0: (laughs) That's good to hear. That's very exciting for fans to hear. Uh, You know, when we're talking about DC talent, there's been this real nice wave since Rebirth of, of some creators just... In my opinion, getting their due. People that have been great for a long time. Someone like Dan Abnett who's been writing comics for a very long time has risen to a new level with his Aquaman and Titan stuff. The, uh, Jorge Jimenez over on Super Sons is just doing exceptional work. So when you are nice. looking at talent out there, I'm sure you guys get pitches, get submissions, is there sort of a... Uh, is there a litmus test for writers or for artists, or do you have to take every single person differently? And then once you've identified, okay, this guy is somebody we want, or this woman is somebody we want to work with, what's the process like getting that person on a book?
1: Well, it's interesting because ultimately, it, you know, we, we spend an enormous amount of time discussing this, as you can imagine. It's almost like you're playing uh, fantasy football in some cases, you know. The perfect match is the perfect team, the perfect way to set up a lineup, and hopefully it succeeds from there. And, and sometimes you just catch the lightning in a bottle. Um, but what we're doing is we're spending more time talking with the talent. Um, it's not just about pitching stories. It's about understanding who the characters are before you step onto the book. Make sure that we're in agreement with what our interpretation of the series is going to be, what the goals for the series are, what, what the goal is for the characters in the series. What is he trying to attain? What is he trying to do? And what are the challenges that he's going to meet in, you know, along the way? And I think once you start to come in agreement with that, all the other pieces start to fall into place. Because um, the, the more defined and the more clear you are in the, the character's goals and, and, and who he or her is, I think the better the book is. Because ultimately it brings a consistency in the character's actions and behaviors because they're clearly defined about what their role in their series is.
0: Um, what's a book you think didn't get its due in 2017? What's a book you wish more readers picked up from DC?
1: Interesting question. Um, I don't know. You know, I'm a I'm a I'm a sucker for the for the Hanna Barbera stuff. You know, and again, like I said, when the, the DC stuff is clicking, uh, it's it's harder to find some of the stuff that's on the edges. The Jetsons. Jones did an amazing job for us. Um, I love Scooby Apocalypse, you know, and that's the stuff, you know, and my my pet project, which has been Kabandi Challenge, um, it's always, it's always a tough sell, and that's one of the reasons why we've never done an ongoing series with it, but if anything, that book achieved just, if you pull a book together once you see the collection, um, the level of talent that has been associated with that book is, is, is really just a snapshot of a who's who of of creators in, in for this particular period of time in comics. So you know, I mean, it's funny. I was just looking at the. I just got the the last issue of Commando Challenge on my desk this morning, uh, and the book came to a close. And the artists on that we wanted because you had to make a couple of changes at the last minute. But I got a Frank Miller cover. I got Jill Thompson, Ryan Sook, and Garcia Lopez on the inside. Um, that's not too shabby. You know what I mean? <laughs>
0: <laughs> that might be the <laughs> so, understatement like of the year. Book
1: like that, you know, you know, and when I see a book like that, it might not hit the sales numbers we hope for, but boy, oh boy, did it achieve all the goals that we set for it. And you know, we got to accept that as a win too. In places, because you know, we can't we can't make people buy our books, but all we could do is make the books the best they could be. And in this case, I felt these guys really made this book the best it can be. You know.
0: Now, in talking about sort of the overall strategy of, of rebirth and of the way DC's doing business right now, we've seen since rebirth started a number of books double shipping. And, you know, yeah. or should be twice a month. And, and this is something that I think a lot of fans have a, a knee jerk reaction against because it seems like, you know, this, this will lead to more fill ins. This will lead to, uh, you know, it just, there, for whatever reason, there's a negative association with it. But I think yeah. that overall, at least for me as a reader, it's changed the way I read. Now I find that a monthly book, sometimes I have to go back and refresh my memory on what happened yeah. because I'm used to this sort of double shipping standard now. So now that this has been tried out, now that we've had, you know, a year and a half or so under your belt with this, what do you think the, the shipping schedule looks like for the future for DC?
1: Um, it's we're, you're still going to see double ships in there. You might not see as many, and it really depends upon the talent and what our expectations are. I mean, the, Truth be told, let's talk about Batman, because that's always the easiest one to address. Batman and Superman, for for a long period of time, had four titles. There were four separate titles, but there was four Batman books. So there's one Batman book a week. Uh, You had Batman Detective, you had Gotham Knights, you had uh, Gotham Chronicles, Batman Chronicles, you had Legends of the Dark Knight, rotating litany of titles varying, but nothing sold as well as Batman and in for the second place nothing sold as well as detective so we thought by doubling down on the Batman and detective titles we were providing the same number of Batman books per month as we were doing before that but number one we had a chance to hold a a much bigger audience because the primary titles just sold better and the second thing is we were able to really move through stories and give a much quicker sense like you were saying so that there was a better pace to the storytelling and and, uh, you know, if somebody wanted to read Batman, they know they were, they were investing in two stories uh, per month rather than four if they were, you know, real all-in Batman fans. So I think there's a sense of, you know, we're constantly feeding the beast. And what's been great is that, you know, we've done DC, you know, dating back to 2006, 2007, we've been doing weekly series for quite a while. So we have built that muscle on how to maintain a schedule and consistency on On almostly on a, on a weekly basis. So in some ways, for some of our guys, going to twice monthly was actually um, a break because <laughs> they've been working on weekly schedules up until that point.
0: <laughs> now, uh, just two more questions, then I'm going to let you go. Uh, sure. We had uh, we had I, I pulled some of our staff with things they wanted me to ask you about, and two different sure. people asked a really fun question, I think, which is you know we've okay. been we've been seeing. A little bit of, uh, of expansion of sort of stories that take place in alternate realities or whatever, but the title Elseworlds has not been around for a while. Will we see Elseworlds in the near future from DC?
1: It's, it's so funny. We're, we are looking at what the interpretation of Elseworlds means right now. Um, because the funny part is, by putting all those stories in continuity, they're no longer Elseworlds, they're part of the consistent universe. They're just existing on a different plane not really Elseworlds anymore. (laughs) So what are Elseworlds? Um, In some ways, if you look at what um, Sean Murphy's doing with uh, White Knight, that could be determined to be in Elseworlds today. Um, High-end talent, a very clear, distinctive take on the character that's consistent with who he is, uh, but also twisting the universe and telling different types of stories that you can't tell within the normal confines of continuity. So, for for all intents and purposes, we're presenting Elseworlds style product without the banner. Uh, whether or not that name returns, we'll we'll see. But at this point, it's really just getting out there and telling the best stories possible. As 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 as, as simple an answer as that seems.
0: Okay. Uh, so this is this is the slight fanboy in me. I, I try and keep it a professional level, but I got to go a little ah. bit fanboy here. So I first met but you. I hope.
1: Listen, I. I prefer to talk to the fanboys because it shows that they care. That's okay.
0: That's what I always say. All right. So uh, I first met you. You were at my local shop the first night of the New 52, Zap Comics in Wayne, New okay. Jersey. And, uh, oh,
1: you're a Zap guy. Shit,
0: okay. Cool beans. Yeah, yeah, I'm a Zap guy. So I, uh, you, you handed me a Wayne Casino token that night. But uh, before the... <laughs> before the shop opened there were a number of fans milling about and you were holding court as you tend to do answering questions and somebody asked what's going on with Shazam Captain Marvel and you said big plans don't worry i've interviewed you twice now you've said big plans don't worry <laughs> now i understand that obviously things come in waves things you know come and go but it seems to me like this is a this is a marquee character that we really haven't seen a lot of so I'm not going to ask when Shazam because I know that's a question that I can't possibly get an, an answer to. But I'm just curious as to where your mind goes, or not just you, but where the DC mind goes with a character like that. How do you balance finding the right story versus letting somebody sit on the shelf maybe for okay. too long?
1: In this particular, in this in this particular case, with Shazam, we have the right team. We're just waiting for them to be available. Um, that's that's one of the cases there. Okay. Um, we, with a lot of this stuff. It's interesting with characters like Shazam, and you know what, there's a couple of books that constantly come up. Shazam, Legion of Superheroes, and Justice Society of America. A couple of those things are actually tied to an event story that's taking place right now, um, and hopefully we'll be able to come out of that in a way that gives it a lift and hopefully brings new attention and new eyes to those books where they can live a long, healthy life. Uh, With Shazam, um, we're really just waiting for one particular creative team to come free, uh, they've expressed so much interest in it that we're just holding it for them until that period of time. The holidays! We're all laid back! Easy breezy! Come on!